Hey, I'm Steve Holland. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is brought to you by With Jack. They help keep you in business by supporting you financially or legally if you have problems with a client. Get the freelance insurance you deserve. With monthly plans and zero cancellation fees, a With Jack policy gives you complete control over your protection. Visit withjack.co.uk and be a confident freelancer. And right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance. For web designer and brand strategist, John D. Saunders. It didn't really hit me until I hit a wall where I was working 14, 18 hours a day, and then my wife had gotten pregnant. So I'm like, listen, I can't work these hours anymore. (laughs) I want to be able to be there for my kid, hang out with them, enjoy my family time, and I need to be able to, to start building this process. What I need to do is really build out my team. I think people have that misconception where they're like, oh, you know, I want to make passive income and you're getting all this money and dough rolling in every month and it's great. But ultimately, in the beginning, you really have to set yourself up for success by creating a course that people really want and talking to your audience and making sure that this course is in line with what their needs are. It's a great way to create passive income, which isn't passive at first. Don't look for the quick response or the quick, hey, I want to work with you. Just continue to provide value and and the rest will come. Yeah, so there is John, his story coming up to finish off season 12 of the Being Freelance podcast. Thank you so much to With Jack for their support. Um, This is the 10th. Like normally I do 16 episodes in a season. This time I've only done 10. And I'll tell you why. Because this year has been crazy and I just need some extra time off. I, I hope that you're getting to sort of find that balance as well but man it's been really great like some incredible stories uh since september and john's is no exception he's coming up in a moment please do go back have a listen to them share them online write a review uh, tell other people about the podcast and then join us in january when we come back with season 13 and in the meantime of course there's over 200 episodes doesn't matter what they do for a living go back as a treasure trove of um of information and experiences to inspire you also of course even though the podcast will be taking a break over december there is still the community always active beingfreelance.com click on the community you're not alone being freelance come and join us in there and we've started this year as well um our own mastermind it's called the cookie collective you can come and join that perhaps in the new year if you're listening to it as it goes out and also as i've mentioned this season i've launched a course about how to get started being freelance so if you're new to freelance if you're thinking of going freelance you've been maybe doing it less than a year and you want to make sure you're doing it right right from the beginning sure you can go listen to all of the episodes and piece it all together or you can help me do that with you Uh, you can find all the details at beingfreelance.com anyway so excited for you to hear john's story here it is uh his web designer and brand strategist based in miami florida john d saunders hey john hey steve what's going on how are you oh i am well thanks so much for doing this oh no worry um as ever how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance so I, um, it's funny, I've always been kind of a creative kid, you know, Legos, blocks, all that good stuff. And um, I was always a huge fan of just being creative in the sense of writing stories and, and short novels. And so what I did about 19, 20 years old is I, uh, I was talking to my mom and she wanted to launch her own kind of, she was a teacher at the time. She's been teaching for about 30 plus years. And at the time she wanted to do one-on-one tutoring for kids. 
And so I was like, okay, well, how can I help? How can I help her facilitate this process? And so what I did was I was like, I'll create a website, you know, that way people can go to the website, they can see the services she offers and they can get it done that way. And so what I did was I went on YouTube, (laughs) took a few online courses and I learned about WordPress at the time. And I was able to build this website for her. People were able to come to the website, book her. And that's when it clicked. I realized that I could take these ideas that I had and make them into something tangible that could both help people and facilitate the process of getting noticed online. And that's when it, it was I was completely hooked. And so I started out as a writer wanting to be a copywriter. So I read a book called Ogilvy on Advertising, and I just became obsessed with advertising. And I tried to get a job. I did two internships, long internships. Uh, no one was giving me a job. I had just recently graduated college. And I was just like, man, I cannot get into this advertising world. And so finally, an agency took a chance. It was a small agency, probably like six people. And I was able to jump in there and just get to work. So I spent about four years there, moved up through the ranks, just started out kind of writing HTML, doing social media. And I ended up being the marketing director. So overseeing all the SEO (laughs) campaigns, social media, um, PPC, SEM, web design, and I just loved it. And so as I grew in that company, I learned so much from my boss that I realized, you know, we're, this is an automotive agency. They dealt directly with car dealerships. And so I wanted to branch out and help different types of companies. So I decided to leave that company. And it's crazy. I still talk to him to this day. I st- we still do projects for him to this day. So I've been able to maintain that relationship. And it's been great because I was able to leverage all those skills and things that I learned while at the agency to build out my own company. So I always recommend folks that want to do freelance or start out and go up on their own, try to work for someone else. You know what I mean? By working for someone else, you can learn what to do, what not to do, and you get paid to develop and and own in on your process. Mm. And so when when I became a a freelancer, I started 5.4 Digital. This was about six years ago. And at that time, we were doing everything in the agency. We were doing SEO, SEM, PPC. These are all just digital marketing um, services that we were offering, as well as web design and development. My favorite part had always been the process of, of user creating a user interface and creating a user experience that people love and people appreciate, and that can equate to dollars. And so being inundated with all this work and just overwhelmed working 14, 16, 18 hours a day as a freelancer, the first thing I really had to do was hire someone. So I was like, all right, what I need to do is really build out my team. And it didn't really hit me until I hit a wall where I was working 14, 18 hours a day. And then my wife had gotten pregnant. So I'm like, listen, I can't work these hours anymore. <laughs> I want to be able to be there for my kid, hang out with them, enjoy my family time. And I need to be able to, to start building this process. So that's when I literally sat down and I started to write down every single task that we did within the business. And at that time, it was just me and maybe like one other freelancer um, that was helping me or independent contractor that was helping me kind of build out these sites that I that I was building and designing. So I started to literally write down every single step of every single proprietary system that we use in the agency. And once I had that done, I was able to delegate. That's when I really started to hire and really started to grow. So first step was writing everything down. Second step was hiring um, a team member that can help me facilitate these. Those main roles being one, a web developer, and then also a project manager and a designer. And so doing that just freed up so much more time for me to focus on big picture, scaling the business, perfecting our standard operating procedures within the agency and really grow and develop this thing. And then that's when I realized, listen, we don't need to be offering all these services. 
It's well, too okay. I, I, t- I tell you what, I don't normally interrupt, but there's so much to unpack, but I'm going to forget <laughs> it if I don't interrupt soon. No, of course. <laughs> I mean, first of all, brilliant being in a relatively small company. Six people meant you got to, as you say, see it all, do it all, learn, learn what you wanted to do. So it's, but six years ago, you step out on your own. How did you go about finding those first freelance clients? So while I was at the automotive agency, I had been talking to friends and family and I was like, guys, listen, I want to branch out on my own. I want to do my th- own thing. I need to start building up these case studies. And I didn't want to step on the toes of the job that I was working in. Right. So I did everything outside of the automotive realm. So I was like, what do you need? Website, branding, social media, whatever you need, I'll do it for you. If you don't have money for right now, that's fine. I'll use it as a case study. And that's when I really just started to build as much as I could on side projects. And it let me own my skills, number one. It let me test the theories and ideas that I had. And it let me apply the things that I learned while being at the agency in real time. So that's why I was working so much because I'm working full time at this job. At that point, we probably had about 20 to 25 um, employees at that point. I had five employees in my department. And then when I got home, I spent a couple of hours with family and then I work until two or three o'clock in the morning on my own stuff. Man, you called yourself, was it 5-4 Digital? Yes. You decided to go with a, a business name, if you like, a company name rather than your, your own name from the off. Yeah, that's interesting. I never got asked that before. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a few things that I learned. One is you always want to be building your business in the form of in the form that it can scale and be able to run without you. And ultimately, you could sell your business if you wanted to, right? So there's a book called The E-Myth by Michael E. Gerber where he talks about this. You want to build your business in the framework where you'll be able to sell it one day and then start on the next project and the next project. And it's almost like this business circle of life, right? So for me, it was really about not framing myself, but more so the business and me as the like spokesperson for the business. And, and also what that also does is it, it makes your company seem larger than it is, right? It's not necessarily deceptive, but it's just more so to say, hey, this is my business. It's almost a separate entity from me. So as your business scales and it grows, you don't necessarily have to be tied to every single facet of it. You can almost be front facing to the client and have your team facilitate the tasks within the business. Sure. It sounds like you uh, embraced or were energized by the entrepreneurial side of what freelancing was, was going to bring you. As in some people, they think, I, I love web, web developing. I'm going to create loads of websites and that's going to be my thing. Whereas you were like, no, actually, I want to build out a company. When it came to doing that, though, what was the reality of it like when you were actually hiring people and starting to grow a team? It's it's really hard, especially when you're, you know, a little bit introverted, when you're when you're like to create and you like to design and develop yourself. Sometimes it's hard to give up the reins on those things. But but one thing that really helped me is creating our own proprietary process. That way I can almost replicate my skill set and pass it on to another team member. So one example is how we do. Um, brand identity, right? We usually start with a brand discovery session, which is about 30 minutes to about an hour and a half, just breaking down the values, the mission statement, the, the unique selling proposition of a business. And so I have a checklist of everything that we go through with the client. Then after that's done, I sit down with our designer and I go through those steps and I say, hey, this is what we're looking for. Here's the mood board. So we have these step-by-step directions that are proprietary to the agency that I'm able to pass on to team members 
That way I'm still able to input my process in that without giving up complete reins of, of a project. Does that make sense? Yeah. And how did you get on when it came to pricing those projects, knowing that you it wasn't just you, you have more involved now? Great question. So when I started out, I was I was super cheap and I was <laughs> I was just taking on any project that I could, you know, and that was that was a problem in itself because I was just getting so much work from potential customers, prospects. People had found out that I was freelancing now, so they wanted to work with me. So it, it, I became an inundated. And, and I, at that point, I was like, well, you know, I can't charge too much. I feel like I can't do that yet. You know, I, I don't want to do that. And it became a problem because I had just an influx of work and we were doing so many different services. So to fix that issue, one, I decided that we're going to focus on a few core services. That's it. So if you fast forward to now, we do web design, we do web development, we do brand identity, and then we do management for clients of their site. That's it. We don't do social media. We don't do SEO. We'll do onsite SEO, but not like month to month. So by focusing on those core services, that really helped us own in on the process. And then two, it really let us be able to charge a premium price because of the process that I created for the agency. So we have an onboarding process. We have a process for creating site maps and, and designing low fidelity wireframes and high fidelity wireframes. And we have a, a, a process that we've owned in on for the last six years that works really, really well. So we're able to work with a nimble and small team. We're only five of us. It's a completely remote um, agency and everybody works uh, pretty much here and abroad. And so we keep it small, we keep it tight, but systems really help us do the job of a bigger agency, but give the client still that personal feel. Do you find that like your time now is spent, I don't know, bringing in the work or managing the work, or do you manage to get your hands dirty still doing the fun stuff that you enjoy doing? <laughs> Great question, Steve. So it's a little bit of both. Honestly, I, you know, more so I'd say about 80% of my time is spent really just managing projects, developing standard operating procedures, asking the team questions on ways we can do it better, uh, training team members. But I still get my hands dirty, man. I still hop in to uh, Creative Suite and design some some logos and some concepts. I still design and develop logos because I still want to be able to be relevant within the agency. And I still want to be prevalent because I love that part of the process. But for the most part, I'm able to pass on or delegate the actual work part. So I'm almost like the creative director now, pretty much. How did you go from, you know, do you know? You said you were far too cheap, for example. How did you go from that point to uh, the higher price point that you just described? Was that as simple as saying, "No, that was the price yesterday. Here's the price today," or, or was it a longer process that you struggled with? I wish I could say we changed it overnight, but honestly, if I told you what I charged for my first website, you'd be like, "What?" <laughs> um, so for me, it was it was trial and error. I was doing these projects and I was looking back at the time I was spending. I'm like, listen, I'm spending so many hours. It's I'm literally getting paid five bucks an hour to do these projects. If I look, if I look at how much time I've spent on it, truly. So what I did was I looked at all the projects that we had worked on. I looked at how much we'd spent on how much time, how many hours we allocated toward a specific project. And I was like, this needs to increase because I want to be able to bring on new team members. I want to be able to delegate more. And so I can't charge this price point anymore. Plus, if I look at what we're doing in this space as compared to other agencies, we're doing a lot more for a lot less. 
So I just did a deep dive and really studied what, what other agencies were offering, what we could offer. And so that helped us come up with a minimum price and um, the deliverables that would come with that. And then the rest is history. <laughs> At one point, you were having really long days. Family came along. How is your, like, your work-life balance now? How's it evolved? Oh, it's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty solid. I can't, I can't front. So right now, um, I usually work from about eight to 8 a.m. to about 4 p.m. each day. Um, after that, I take off. I spend time with family. We might go to the park, might watch a movie, catch Netflix. And then there's some days where I just, I'm, I'm a huge, like, just, I love to absorb knowledge and learn and develop my skills. And so some nights I'll work when the family falls asleep for a few hours. But ultimately, you know, I went from working 14, 16 hour days to now, you know, seven or eight hours. And some days, um, you know, I'll, I'll work outside. I'll change my location. I'll really try to switch it up and, and, and keep it and keep it exciting. Now, it's intriguing because uh, obviously we're, we're going to put show notes for this. People can go to beingfreelance.com. You can click through, find out what John D. Saunders is all about. And part of that is the agency that you described, Five Four Digital. But part of it is is you still. So so you man you seem to have managed to keep whilst you've got an agency, you've you've got you, your own personal brand too, right? Yes. So I do. I, I keep it whereas Five Four Digital is almost at the top of the hill that facilitates everything else or or is almost like the the, the monarch for all the other businesses. And so under that is my personal brand. Yes. And so under my personal brand, I've got a couple courses. I have uh, product offerings as well as freebies because I've always been a proponent of value-based content and providing free value to an audience that that's looking for it. So johndsaunders.co is my personal brand where I'll have like different resources and, and guides for people that are looking to start their own agency or looking to freelance and, or become an entrepreneur. When did you start that? Man, so the first, probably eight or nine years ago, back then it was called John Social. And I just, it was just a blog and I would just post, you know, relevant things that were going on. And and it's funny too, because back then other agency owners were like, well, John, you know, you're telling all these people what to do and you're giving them step-by-step directions. You're giving them the secret sauce. You shouldn't do that. But I've always thought to myself, I was like, if I'm giving them this value and they're seeing value in it and they're applying it, they're going to come back and they're going to be like, hey, you want to collaborate or hey, um, I have this idea for a project. What do you think? I, I think you become um, a, a thought leader in the space, right? And people want to come to you and talk to you and be around you because you're providing them with so much valuable content. And so that's how I pretty much built my business. And and it's worked well far, so far. So then you do courses as well. How, how have you found doing that? It's been, wow. So at first it was, my first course was, it wasn't necessarily a flop. But I had 2000 students and I probably made like, you know, a thousand bucks and it was on Udemy. And um, I learned a lot in the process of how to create a course, how to develop curriculum, how to answer questions from potential students. So it taught me a lot. And then I had a second course that did okay, And now I have my current course, the Web Design Studio Accelerator, which has done really, really well. And um, it was really a learning process. And and it's a great way to create passive income, which isn't passive at first. So I think people have that misconception where they're like, oh, you know, I want to make passive income and you're getting all this money and dough rolling in every month and it's great. But ultimately, in the beginning, you really have to set yourself up for success by creating a course that people really want and talking to your audience and making sure that this course is in line with what their needs are and then creating that course once you have some people um, kind of fed into the process. So 
Um, it's been great. It's, it's lucrative. It's definitely a nice passive income stream as well. How did you find out what your audience wanted, as you put it? Great question. So the, the best way to do that is one, I talked to all. And here's the thing. People think that you need this big, huge audience to find out this information. You don't. Um, so I, what I did was I talked to my email audience, which was probably at that time, 150 people. I talked to Facebook groups. I talked to friends um, and I'd sent them a form and I said, hey, this is the curriculum I'm thinking of. It was a Google Doc where it had just like the title of the course and then a breakdown of the curriculum. I said, hey, this is the course that I'm thinking about. Would you mind filling out this form? In that document, there was a form that then they could click and they could fill out a few questions like, hey, what do you think of this course? Would you buy this course? What is missing from this course? Just general questions, right? And then I would take those responses and people would see it be like, oh, well, you're missing a module on sales. And if I got that question a few times, I would add that module in. And then I would just correspond with them over the course of maybe a month and a half of just facilitating and getting that, that course perfect. And, and now it's just a doc, right? So I haven't created this entire curriculum yet. So in that doc, once it's perfect, once it's ready to go, and the people that said, yes, they would buy the course, I say, hey, what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer this course for, let's say, $497. If you sign up, you can put a deposit down for 7 bucks, and you'll get the course for half off when it goes live. And then based on how many people sign up, that tells me, okay, this course is the one. I need to go ahead and go ahead and create it. And then I'll spend the next two and a half, three months actually creating the course. But I always vet it first prior so i know that it's something that people really want whoa <laughs> so let me get that right so once you've gone through that process of figuring out you know that the, the content of the course is what people might want you then go back and you said i'm gonna offer this course, and i realized the figures might not be the exact figures but i'm gonna be i'm gonna be selling this course for 497 if you put a deposit down for seven dollars now when it finally goes live, you will get it at half price, so half of four nine seven. Exactly. So now they have a big incentive to want to sign up. And similarly, if people don't put down that seven dollars, um, you you might think, okay, I won't build the course, or I'll tweak it further. Exactly, tweak it further, and tweak it further until it's until people start buying in early, and and then so that helped me do a ten thousand dollar launch the day of. And then that course has gone on to do about one hundred and ten thousand in the last like nine months. So it's it's uh, it's really it really helped in that process because I was able to say, hey, this is what people are looking for. Now I can go and build out this thing and, and make it work because trust me, I've done it before where I created a course and I was like, this course is going to be awesome. People are going to love it. I can't wait. I spend five months on the course, send it out, release it, and it's a flop because I didn't ask my audience what they really wanted. So how how long was the period between getting those seven? dollars and so, actually launching it it was about two and a half months the, the thing about that is you don't want to wait too long because people lose interest mm. move on to other things so and then i keep them up to date like hey guys you know we're about a, a three weeks out i just finished module four like i just try to keep them up to date and relevant to it and then you know before of course you charge your card you let them know hey guys by the way this week <laughs> the course is going live you know this is the price and and then you know that's it so Maybe we got maybe I can't remember how many signups, but maybe five or six people like were like, eh, you know, you know, I can't do it right now, but you know, maybe next time. So it's just really being transparent and giving them all the options. And then, how much effort do you do you say you put into marketing it once it's gone live? Once you've yeah. put all that effort in and it's gone out there. So I did Facebook ads. Um, let me think. So the course did about 110k. I've probably spent maybe. 
15, 20K in ads. So about maybe one sixth or one fifth of, mm-hmm. of that is, is, is profit. And that's it. That's not just the Facebook ads. So just some retargeting landing page. That's it. How do you balance your time between creating things like that under your own brand and doing the, the, well, the client work, I guess. It really ties to creating these processes and delegating. That's the, that's my biggest, that's my biggest suggestion or, or, you know, or part of the process is, is really developing standard operating procedures and delegating to my team. And so the great thing about having an agency is any ideas and anything that we want to do fall under that agency. So having an agency, we already have the step-by-step directions on how to onboard a client, how to run a client, how to manage a client. And so we treat my other businesses and ideas under that moniker. So it makes it easier to facilitate these because we already have an agency that can do it and we already have the process in place to get it done. So when you built out your course, did you use your five four digital team to help you do that? Yeah. So our our team helped design some of the collateral, um, helped lay out the page. So yes, absolutely. You mentioned other businesses as well. Does that mean it's there's more that I haven't uncovered here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got, I got a couple. I got a couple businesses. Uh, one of those is so I have BlackIllustrations.com, which is um, it's a website where you can download illustrations featuring people of color in different ways: STEM, design, development. We have other illustrations on, on you know spirituality, on on going to the gym. So that 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 business does well. And then I also have a business called uh, BlackWallet.org, which is a financial literacy blog where we've had a, a best-selling book on Amazon. And then the last business, which is not really a business because it doesn't make money, but <laughs> it's called IllustratorHub.com, which is a, a, a database of, of talented illustrators. Wow. What was the sort of inspiration or mo- motivation? Yeah, I guess those two things are sort of slightly intertwined as to starting those. When did you start them? Great. Yes. Blackillustrations.com I launched in April of this year. Or no, March. March of this year. Uh-huh. And the main reason I did it was because being a web designer and web developer, I just didn't see a lot of diversity in illustrations yeah. that we were using on sites. And I felt like um, uh, Black people especially weren't represented a lot in, in the digital con- content that I was seeing. So I was like, you know what? Let's build this out ourselves. <laughs> so we launched that in, in March and we've gone to do about 60,000 downloads. Nice. We have um, about a half a million visitors on the website and um, we have premium and free illustration packs. So I wanted to be able to have these beautiful illustrations that people will be able to use on their websites. We've been featured by UM, Harvard, Stanford, the CDC. It's been it's been pretty amazing, and um, it was something that just was just really needed in the space. That's awesome. Thank you. Especially because you know some people think, oh, I never can find these things. Exactly. But it doesn't mean they go and create it. There's actually this thing inside <laughs> you which is like, no, nah, I've not got enough on my plate. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm I, I, I'm addicted. Like I, I, I always. So my wife, I'm like, man, the shower for me is like, I need a, a waterproof whiteboard because I have so many ideas and so many things that I want to get out. <laughs> and then there was the, the the wallet one. It's it's interesting because like the illustration sides that feels linked into you know what you do with um, creativity and web design and so on and so forth. Um, but what was the other one? The the wallet? Yeah, it's black, blackwallet.org. So it's a it's a financial literacy blog 
for urban millennials. And so the main reason I launched it was this was about maybe two and a half years ago was I just didn't see a lot of content resonating with, with, a, with a certain audience. And so I decided to say, Hey, we should launch. And, you know, I come from a financial background. So I worked at a bank for five years. I'm an avid reader of just financial literacy books. And I'm always thinking about generational wealth and, and how to build, um, you know, that generational wealth for, for generations to come. And so for me, I launched it and it's been, it's been going, it's been going well since then. We launched a best-selling book on Amazon last year, which hit number one. And it's just another, again, another business that, that pretty much runs on autopilot now because we have our writer, uh, she writes a article a week. You know, we post that content. We have about a quarter million followers on Instagram and we just continue to just grow and develop the brand. Flipping egg. How much of your time and focus and energy goes into these separate things it's i'd say so there's a book by cal newport called deep work and Mm. that's that's really how i block out my day i block out a certain amount of time for the agency certain amount of time for for side projects or, or other businesses and i really try to create these processes and delegate so that these things can run without me so with black illustrations that's pretty much running on it's on autopilot Black Wallet, the same thing. Five Four Digital is a little bit more hands-on because we're running all that. But what I do is I run the business like these other side hustles or other businesses are part of Five Four Digital's ecosystem. So our team members know exactly what to do. We have different tasks and we treat them almost as if they're a client. So it really helps in, in, in our systems because we're just doing the same things that we would do for a client. Yeah. And when it comes to working on them, you literally switch off from the other things if you see as in you've blocked out three hours to work on this particular thing and what you turn off any other distractions while you do that yeah exactly because ironically i started reading deep work which is all about focus and couldn't quite find the time to finish reading it (laughs) okay right have okay (laughs) i was about to say well that's everything but i should i don't feel like i should take that for granted have we covered everything uh, <laughs> we have we have by the way you have a great radio voice man i love this it. so it's like <laughs> very smooth it's interesting that you mentioned about saving for a future basically uh generational income and things like that is that something that you consciously think about now like your future uh, absolutely all the time and for me it's really just about leaving a legacy. Listen, I'm no, I'm no Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, right? But I, I feel like I want to be able to to leave a legacy for for generations to come and just inspire another kid like me that 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 you know might not necessarily know that digital or web design or or even branding are are a uh, career choice, right? And so my ultimate goal is to really have an incubator here in South Florida where I can help other startup owners, young people that are looking to to get into startups or, or entrepreneurs or design or freelancers and just help them, you know, build their businesses and develop their skills. That's so cool. That's a proper idea that you've got as in that you're, you're already planning it out and saving towards it or? Yes, exactly. Cool. Oh, man. <laughs> John, I, I admire your, like I say, the vision, but also actually getting stuff getting stuff done but in order to get that stuff done you do have to take care of yourself and to make sure that you're not just blowing money like there's a there there is like quite a serious cash flow thing involved in running this sort of business almost empire that you're starting to create 
Yes, absolutely. And I'm 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 a huge fan of of well, Lean Startup is another great book, and I'm all about running lean. That's why before this, you know, everything happened with COVID. We were a completely remote team. Other agencies were like, "Well, you need a big office. You need this. You need that." And I was like, "Well, I can." have a great well-paid team that does great work and they can work from anywhere they want and at their own time that they want. <laughs> and that was, that was my thought behind that. And so we run really lean. We use a lot of great, uh, our tech stack is probably like 10 apps. You know what I mean? We really try to keep it very lean and clean and, and processes really helped us facilitate a lot of this stuff. So for me, it's really about, you know, making, taking this income that we're creating and then being able to reinvest it in the business and reinvest in other ventures and, and continue to grow. How do you get past that thing of like feeling secure that you're creating a buffer of money that's protecting your business and so on? Uh, and for that matter, protecting yourself, but then also taking a chance on things. Yes. The, the great thing about working in this space is a lot of the things don't cost a ton to test out. Nowadays, especially with the no code movement and all these things beginning to come up and, and, and blossom, I feel as though if you have an idea and it's digital based, it doesn't cost you a lot to, to get it done. And it, it doesn't work out. It doesn't work well. It's okay. You know, you might have lost out a few hundred or even a couple thousand, but you've learned a new skill. You developed a new, um, a, a new career choice. There's just so many things that can be, that can be done with it. And so everyone being remote, everything being digital now is a huge opportunity. For folks to take advantage of their skill set and turn it into to a cash generating machine i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie what have you got for me john okay one is i've driven every exotic car out there two is i have seven siblings <laughs> and three is i own a ferrari you have seven siblings. In the order of the seven, which one are you? I'm the third. And how many boys, how many girls? Three boys, four girls. Can't decide whether you replied quick enough or not. Uh, I won't ask their names for, for, uh, for, for the sake of privacy. If it was pets, I would have gone there. Um, <laughs> so exotic car. That's That was the phrase. So exotic car. Like... So it's supercars like Ferrari, Lambert, yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe a better question for me would be like, which is your favorite of the exotic cars, and where did you drive it? Ah, okay. My favorite is I don't know. I like the Audi R8, and I drove it in Miami. What color was it? Red. There's always a slight pause, and I can't decide whether that's between London and Miami <laughs> or for truth and the lie. And then you said you own a Ferrari. Uh, okay, when did you buy the Ferrari? Uh, about three months ago. You see, buying a Ferrari doesn't seem to fit with keeping things lean <laughs> and saving for the future. That seems to go against, uh, except the Ferrari and the exotic cars are all linked so that suggests for either way, you definitely like sports cars. One of all, I don't know. Oh, of course, both of those are true. And actually, you're a, you're a, an only child and don't have any siblings at all. Um, okay, I'm going to say you don't own a Ferrari. All right. Okay. So this is kind of a trick question. I do have a Ferrari. It is a Lego Ferrari, and I'm looking at it oh, right now on my desk. <laughs> 
on. <laughs> so, so I'll tell you which one. It was, uh, it was um, the siblings. <laughs> I only have one. So, yeah, one, so one of my clients for- was one of my clients was a MPH Club, which is an exotic car rental company down here. So I got to drive every single exotic car you could think of. Nice. I mean, the siblings was good. Uh, I'll give you that. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a glad. horrible liar, man. So I just kind of even, do what I had. Even though the Ferrari was flipping Lego. Right. Anyway, um, do you know, there was one thing I was thinking. It's funny. You mentioning cars there. When you started out, uh, right at the beginning of the story, you were in a, an agency that was focused on the automotive industry, I think you said. Um, and you learned lots of things from there, good and bad. Yes. It feels like one thing you didn't learn or didn't decide to go with, at least, was the idea of niching in a particular area. Yeah, as in they were focused on all the automotive industry. You chose not to, right? Yeah, so we, we do have a niche. In a way, we work mostly with startups. So they could be either Series A, uh, Seed, um, but we do work mostly with startups. Okay, so you do. That was going to be the other thing I was going to ask. These days, how do clients come to you? How Or how do you go to clients? How does the work come in that feeds into all of these other things? I'd say 90% of our prospects are referrals. So one, folks that have either worked with us before um, recommend us. Two is when it comes to Webflow, which is a content management system, we're a Webflow agency, Webflow expert, and uh, we also create templates for Webflow as well. So we're pretty active in that community. So we get leads from that. And then uh, my personal social media, I try to post value-based content every day on Instagram and Facebook and leads from that. So most of it is referrals and just people coming back from from checking out my content. Nice. That's interesting about Webflow. I, so so Webflow is like a sexy version of Squarespace and WordPress, right? Yeah, Webflow is it's probably the most advanced content management system that you can use right now in regards to creating a website that you want. Mm. So you can create customized websites really easily using their designer and it, it outputs HTML, JavaScript, and CSS in, in clean, consistent code. Yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's new, it's emerging, it's, it's doing an amazing job of facilitating. And if you look at all of our projects, they're all running through Webflow. And that's what intrigued me is the fact that you, like I've been looking at Webflow a lot, and I'm not a designer, sadly, but it, um, <laughs> it sounds like you're very, very early uh, and therefore, like, you, you know, now everybody knows there's a million WordPress templates. You're creating templates for other people can buy for Webflow quite early on in the emergence of it. If, do you see what I mean? Exactly. Right. So that's almost like a passive income for the agency once you've created it. Yeah. How's that going? It's going great, actually. We just launched about last week and we've probably had uh, maybe 30, 30 downloads. And they just get, and you don't have to advertise them. They just get found by people searching within Webflow. No, no, we're gonna we're gonna launch some ads next week. But yeah, we haven't had yeah. any ads yet. Okay, if there was one thing you could tell your younger self about being freelance, what would that be? Provide value based content to your audience, and don't look for the quick response or the quick "Hey, I want to work with you." Just continue to provide value, and and the rest will come. John, it's been so good to talk to you. Go to beingfreelance.com. There is links through so that you can check out all of the different things that we've talked to. 
John about. Uh, so that's at beingfreelance.com. Go visit his things. Go follow him online um, and check out his courses and all of the different. Anyway, you, you know what we've been talking about. You've been listening to it. Also, if you're a freelance parent like myself and John, uh, the other podcast that I do is called Doing It For The Kids. Since you've got your podcast app out, go search for it now and come and listen to myself and Frankie over and Doing It For The Kids as well. But for now, John, thank you so much and all the best being freelance. Oh, thank you so much, Steve. I appreciate it. And good luck with the incubator and all your other plans. You, uh, I'm sure there's a million plans that you haven't thought of yet. <laughs> you need to get back in that shower with that white ball for Christmas and yes. see. see. <laughs> How nice was John? There we go. That's it for season 12. Thank you so much to all of my guests this season and for you for listening. I, I, I really appreciate it. If you like what I'm doing with Being Freelance, you can support it by buying me virtual biscuits by going to beingfreelance.com slash coffee. But do you know what? You can also support for nothing simply by leaving a review and sharing it with other people. Come join us in the community with freelancers from around the world. And if you're new to freelance, there's also the course that I've just launched as well. That you might well want to check out. Hey, maybe somebody might want to get you it for Christmas. Is that a weird Christmas present? (laughs) Actually, no. Okay, buy it yourself as a business expense and let other people buy you chocolate. Uh, Okay, um, I will see you for season 13 and brand new episodes in January. But remember, Being Freelance is going all the time online at beingfreelance.com and in the community. So come join us there. Anyway, have a great week ahead. Being Freelance.